Hi, guys. Welcome to Head to Total, the podcast that talks about everything head to total uh, about the medical field. Uh, good times today, Dr. Tony Otto from Mendelssohn Kornblum Orthopedics. He's the pain management specialist. And we have him on today because I think there's a lot of questions about pain management, what he does. And, and I think a lot of people have some misconceptions. I really wanted to pull back the curtain today and have a great conversation with him. So welcome, Tony. How are you? Great to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start with telling our audience, uh, and again, your, uh, your voice is going everywhere, man. We're, we're national. We're nationwide. We're global. Uh, who you are and, and what you do. So uh, I'm Dr. Tony Otto. I've been uh, a pain management doctor now, uh, practicing in uh, Macomb and uh, Wayne for the last 10 years uh, through Mendelssohn Kornblum Orthopedics. And uh, it's uh, a great opportunity for me to see a lot of different varied uh, patients. So I, I really have enjoyed uh, pain management uh, for quite a while. I did my training initially in uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation. Uh, and I did some fellowship training thereafter uh, in pain medicine, uh, where I got a chance then to kind of uh, learn different uh, aspects of pain medicine interventionally and more of a holistic approach to how to treat people who are having pain conditions. So um, it's been uh, a great opportunity working in an orthopedic clinic where we have a lot of different uh, patients with uh, back pain and neck pain and a lot of different painful conditions uh, that I've been able to uh, work with. How long have you been with Mendelssohn Kornblum? It's been a little over 10 years right now. So that's a long time to put up with those guys. I've met <laughs> Vice versa as well, I'm sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, all right. So talk to us about, you know, if you're seeing, uh, you said neck and, and back and shoulder, what, what's a typical day in your life? What's that look like? What type of patients are you seeing? So, you know, we see a varied amount of patients. I mean, most most people are going to have back pain at some point in their life. Fortunately, most people get better with that and don't need to come see me uh, by doing some simple things, right? Uh, it's the people that come to see me, those, those people that have the pain that just kind of stays there for longer times uh, and doesn't get better. Or if they have pain that kind of radiates into the leg or they have pain that radiates down their arm if there's a nerve that's being pinched. Um, I see a lot of people, younger patients who've had some acute injuries if they've lifted something or done something or been in an accident. Uh, and uh, have painful conditions from that. Um, and, you know, you see a varied uh, amount of different types of pains as well. There are, there are different nerve-type pains where people come in um, who may have had some sort of other injury in the past where they've injured a leg or an arm and then have some different kind of nerve pain thereafter. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of treat head-to-toe within the group. We have uh, doctors who do headache and, uh, uh, you know, anything from, the whole body of, of different areas where we can have pain, where we try to help and look at, you know, what's the source of the pain one, and then figure out the best way to try and uh, help uh, improve that and improve function is the bottom line of what we try to do. I'm sure there's a managing of expectations that, that you have to do. Um, and, you know, you'll, when you go in to see you, do you do the pain scale thing? Like, you know, Colleen, are you feeling pain from one to five? And, you know, how often do you feel the five? And then, do you manage the expectations of the patient or is it, yeah, you can give them a pain-free life or is it case by case? Like, how does that work? So it's very different in everybody. You know, we, the, the pain scale is a very subjective measure. Everybody's got a different measure of where they are and, and that's what you take for them. And every person is different. Um, and it really depends. And if you have somebody that has a, a new onset of a pain and it's something um, where once that injury heals, that pain's going to get better, then I have a good chance that they're going to have 
you know, a point to where they're not having any pain at all. Um, if I have somebody who's coming into me who's had a 20 or 30 year history of having back problems and, you know, chronic pain and really had struggled with that, and they've got really bad degenerative changes in their spine and, and really bad is- is- injuries and issues, I can't ma- wave a magic wand and fix that. Um, you know, I tried, but I failed. You seem pretty remarkable, I would say, that you can do that. Yeah. So, but, you know, I tell them, I, I tell them, you know, there's ways that we can improve your functionality, that we can Im- improve the management of your pain. And it's not a one-way street. There's things that they have to do as well. Uh, and, and my whole job with any patient that comes in is I'll tell them what I think is realistic options to try and help them uh, to really have, you know, the best life going forward. Um, you know, you can have a bad degenerative back and still live a full and happy life. And you can have flare-ups of pain and we can help manage that. And there's things that we can do. But, you know, to be absolutely pain-free, if your spine is to a point where surgery would be something you consider, you don't want to do that. Realistically, that's not something we can look at. Um, But if you're miserable every day and you really can't continue to do the things you want to do, there's a lot of things that we can do to help out. You know, talk to me about some of the things that you can do to help out, right? Like, I know that you and the, the rest of the physicians over at MKO forefront of absolutely everything. I know Steve Mendelson does uh, the, the peripheral nerve stimulators. What are you doing on the forefront of medicine to help people in chronic pain? So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we look at with chronic pain. Um, you know, we have a great uh, physical therapy department and people with chronic pain, you know, one of the big things to managing chronic pain is keeping them moving and active. Um, you know, bed rest for back pain is is really not helpful. It actually makes things worse. Uh, and to get into a program, I understand things are going to be hurting, but to get to and figure out a way to be able to manage that is really important. Um, and so physical therapy is one aspect of that. And we look at more of what we call a multimodal approach, meaning different mechanisms of how things work to try and help to improve your pain, and improve your function. So one of those is therapy. Uh, and then we're very much interventionally minded. There are a lot of different injections and procedures that we do uh, from things like epidural injections, uh, which are essentially steroid injections that are going under uh, imaging or under x-ray into the spine to try and help people with, with painful conditions. Um, there are different nerve block type injections that we do for people with uh, back pain or back problems or neck problems. Uh, there are different blocks of different joints or nerve blocks beyond that that we look at. Uh, there's things like spinal cord stimulation, which are these implantable devices to try and um, kind of block the pain at the spinal column uh, to help with people with chronic pain conditions. Uh, there's things like ketamine, which is kind of an IV infusion of an anesthetic drug uh, for people who've been through a whole gamut of different things and have more what we call central pain, which is uh, essentially the body, after you've had a painful condition for a very long time, those receptors in your brain just kind of become upregulated. You keep hitting with the signal, 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 signal. It's like with your kids. They're yelling at you nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. You just kind of start going off, right? Same thing with your brain. All those receptors are being hitting by painful signals, and, and we're trying to reset that with a lot of different therapies that we look at for this. 
So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different modalities that we do. There's medications that we look at from different nerve pain type medications. Uh, and again, that multimodal approach, I use that again. There's different mechanisms of how these medicines work from anti-inflammatory type medications, uh, antispasmodic medications, which help with spasms, uh, nerve pain medications, and, and sometimes different pain medications beyond that as well. Okay. There, there was a lot there. There was a lot. <laughs> I, I got I to go back. This is fascinating. Okay. Most people, when you say epidural, the first thing that comes to their mind is childbirth. Yep, and I, I tell most people they don't get a, a child with this with this epidural, unfortunately. So some some are happy, some are not so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I have that image in my head, doctor, of you're going to put a needle in somebody's back, which obviously you know. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's and most women are crying for an epidural when they're going when they're pregnant because they want to help with the pain. Right. So the epidural is just a name of a space. Um, and when you're going in, when you're pregnant, it's the exact same space I'm accessing, but I can do it in a much more controlled setting. So when you're pregnant in between contractions an anesthesiologist is coming in and trying without any imaging to put uh, essentially a catheter into that space and then putting some numbing medicine. So, you're not having the pain of the labor and delivery. Uh, when I'm doing an epidural injection, you can do it in a controlled setting. So we do it in our procedure room or if somebody's super anxious, we could do it with a little bit of sedation at one of our surgical centers. And you're laying down on your belly and we're using a large image guided machine called a fluoroscopy, which is taking live x-ray as we're, we're doing the procedure. And we're guiding the needle in. Um, as I said, you're laying down, so you're not in between contractions, you know, and we're slowly kind of going and bringing that needle in. And then we're injecting instead of what they do when you're having an epidural when you're pregnant, where they just put some numbing medication into that space, we're injecting a, a steroid or a cortisone, which works as a strong anti-inflammatory to help with pain. And often if people have what we call radiculopathy or a pinched nerve in your back, which causes pain going into your leg or into your arm, uh, that steroid can kind of calm down that inflammation and really help with that pain going into your extremity. Uh, and so it's a pretty quick procedure. I mean, it sounds a lot, uh, you know, more in depth than what it is. And, and we take our time and we do it right. But the whole thing takes about five minutes and you're done. And, and hopefully you get some good relief from that. Okay. I had no idea that it was the space. But that's why, it, you know, that that was the actual. I thought the actual epidural was the thing, like the needle going I had no idea. Yeah. No, and it's, it's common. People say, just give me this epidural. And it's, again, that's the name of a space. Epi means around, and dura is kind of the sac where that spinal fluid is living in. So you're kind of trying to bathe where those nerves are with, you know, for pregnancy, just a numbing medication so you're not feeling it. And with, with the procedure where we're doing an epidural steroid injection with a steroid. Okay. Now let's go to the ketamine because you talked a little bit about ketamine. I think that's a buzzword that the people are saying. Now, what actually is ketamine? What's the history of it? How are you guys using it in the office? So ketamine has some kind of mixed bags of what people think about it, right? Um, you hear about ketamine and people misuse ketamine, and you've probably heard, you know, all sorts of terrible things with that. But ketamine has been around a long time, and it's essentially an anesthetic uh, drug that's been around a long time for anesthesia for people. Uh, and anesthesia still uses it today uh, in certain cases. In fact, my, my little son, when he was, I don't know, five or six, he cut his lip and they needed to sedate him so he wasn't moving around so they could sew his lip and they used ketamine. Uh, it, it's just a matter of what is the best medication to try and do to your anesthesia for. Uh, one of the advantages we've seen in, in chronic pain is it's used through an infusion where they're essentially starting an IV and they're using ketamine then uh, to kind of help with these chronic central pain syndromes where people have had 
pain for a long time. And that's where we're kind of resetting that pain pathway. And then I think a lot of people, when we, we talked about doing this type of podcast, people ask me, are you going to talk about opiates? Are you going to talk about the open? But there are so many different things that you guys are doing now that it's opiate free in a lot of areas. But can you talk to me a little bit about we still use them in, in the MKO practice? Um, you know, what, what's our what's the protocol there? What's your stance on, on all the opioids? Yeah, so, I mean, opioids have been a really, obviously, a, a very big topic, uh, not only in pain management, but in our country. There's There's been an issue with misuse of these medications, and they've gone, there's a big pendulum, a swing of where they've gone. It used to be when I was training 10 years ago that there's no limit on these. Uh, you should have patients having no pain at all and, and be writing very high amounts of opiates which I never really subscribed to. Uh, and it's gone all the way down to the, they're the devil. And, and really, it's somewhere in between. Um, you know, there is uh, a potential, but it, again, chronic opiates for pain, there's no great evidence that it does anything. So they have a role. Um, and, and for some people, they can help with function as well. And, and it's really carefully managed and monitored. Uh, we check patients' urine drug screens to make sure they're taking the medications appropriately. But it's really not a great role, and there's really not very much evidence that it shows that it does a lot for chronic pain. So we look at a lot of other different modalities that can help with chronic pain. That being said, we do write opiates in select cases, and we manage and we monitor those very carefully. And my end goal is always to try and wean those down or cut them off because, again, I don't think they're going to help over the long term. And there's other things that we can do to kind of help. But for an acute pain or somebody's having, you know, post-surgical pain, we definitely use uh, opiate medications to help manage those patients. Um, but again, there's, there's a whole armamentarium between uh, the different interventions that we do and different uh, types of medications beyond that, uh, which can help with different pains beyond that as well that are non-opiate as well. Well, I think you hit on two things, right? I think that uh, right now in, in society, they are the devil right? And, and it's the worst thing you can ever do. But to the point you made earlier, the physician does the work, but then the patient also has to do the work. So the patient has a certain amount of responsibility as well. You know, if, if you're testing them and testing the urine and they are progressively getting better, they've got to wean themselves off too. It's not like, you know, um, I'm going to swallow this pill just because. Right. And, and yeah, again, a medicine's not going to fix everything. Um, and, and none of the medications can get to a point where you're going to get rid of all the pain either. Um, you know, it's very important. We do monitor the patients, and there's a lot of different tools that can help with chronic pain beyond that, beyond medications as well. We talked about intervention. There's mindfulness. Uh, there are things where they can work with um, different counseling, and we can do different techniques to help with uh, pain management through that as well. They've been shown actually to help out better than a lot of different other modalities that we use. So, it's not just one magic pill that makes everything better, um, you know, but opiates at the same end, you know, are, are never not used. It's not like it's not something we would consider, but it's not something that we look at long term at all. And it really, it, it doesn't fix anything. And, and it's important, as I said, the patients understand that, you know, sometimes you are going to have some pain and how are we going to manage that and get you through and do your normal day-to-day activities. And that's what our focus is on, you know, can, are these things making you better? I've had patients who are on opiates chronically uh, in the past, and they'd come in with the same pain score that they had before I started them on an opiate. Um, and it's, it's, it's not uncommon at all. 
And the question is really, you know, what can I do today that I couldn't do yesterday, whether it be with a medication, with therapy, with injections or other treatment modalities? How am I making your life better that you can do the things you want to do on a day-to-day basis and function? And, and that's always going to be the questions and what we're trying to strive to help with patients. You've got to be the favorite within the practice because people just feel better when they see you. Be honest, you're just the favorite in the practice. Uh, No, no, no. We have a a bunch of great doctors who work uh, throughout MKO, and, um, you know, they all bring different uh, uh, great attributes to the table. I work, you know, that's one of the great things of the the group that we have. I don't do everything there is in pain management. I don't do, obviously, everything there is in orthopedics. And I have a lot of colleagues that do other things, you know. So I do things like acupuncture, where other colleagues in pain management don't do that. Um, I myself don't do ketamine, but other doctors do do that. And I'll refer when I think it's appropriate, uh, whether it be spinal cord stem or different, uh, different treatment modalities that we have. And, you know, amongst the group that we have, we really cover head to toe. You know, we have a, a great uh, group of people that I trust that I can send you to. Uh, and if it's something, you know, I'm not, you know, that bullheaded to think that I know everything. I, I will send out when I don't know what's going on or I need a second opinion on this or, you know, I have a colleague who specializes in this and I say, hey, you may be better served going to them because I think this is the right way to go for you. Um, and so I think that's one of the great aspects we have in our group is, you know, in, in pain medicine, we, we have a wide coverage. But then I have, you know, orthopedic colleagues that can help if I think that, hey, maybe this neck pain is really actually stemming from the shoulder. Or, you know, the pain that you have, you know, really that going down your leg is actually more of a hip problem. And I can then refer you off to a colleague. We have great uh, spinal surgeons who we can send if, if things are more urgent. And I can say, hey, you know, this is something that needs to get fixed. And if it doesn't, it's not going to get better. And, and we try to avoid surgery at all costs, on, especially when it comes to the, pot, the spine, rather. But there's times when it's needed, and, and it's, it's knowing when that is and when to refer out and having somebody that you trust that you can refer to, which is really important. Yeah, we were talking to, uh, coming up on one of our future podcasts, we're talking to a colleague of yours, Rashid Aviola, and he, he told me, he said, 80% of the, sp- the patients that come to see him is a spine surgeon. He doesn't do surgery. And, and I think that's, um, for somebody who has to go see a spine surgeon, those are big words, Right. I mean, that's that's a, a you know that's a hard thing to hard pill to swallow a spine surgeon and to know that there are other ways. In fact, I saw uh, for those of you that don't know, I do have the privilege of working with uh, a lot of the physicians at Mendelssohn Fordham Orthopedics at Synergy Health Partners, and I did see Dr. Otto the other day in the orthopedic practice. And it is cool because you guys do go back and forth and pull each other into the rooms and say, "What do you think of this? What do you think of that?" The patient really does benefit because you're all there together. And, and that's great for them. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. I mean, with, if you're going to a surgeon who says, you know, the most of the people I'm seeing, I'm doing surgery on you, you're going to a surgeon who I think is overly aggressive. And as I said, I think the surgeons that we have are people that I would send family to. They're people that I trust. They're not overly aggressive with what they're doing. Um, and they're people that are going to offer surgery to people who I think need it and are going to benefit from it. And, uh, you know, I agree. There's times, you know, the nice part, we're a busy clinic and a busy group. We have a bunch of docs there. I can bounce things off pretty easily, uh, which is which is always nice to see. Doctor, you said something really key in there that I want to uh, hit on. You said acupuncture. I think a lot of people are curious because they're hearing the term dry needling. What is the difference between dry needling and acupuncture? So, you know, acupuncture has been around a long, long time. And, and I've been doing it now for about 10 years. 
Um, I did my training in acupuncture uh, through a, a doctor who trains doctors, essentially. It's called Helms Medical Acupuncture. Um, and it's a pretty extensive training that we do. And so it's kind of head to toe of uh, different modalities and different ways you treat. And generally, people think acupuncture, they think needles, and a lot of people get scared because they have a phobia of needles. And I've treated a lot of people who are very afraid of needles who keep coming back because they get a lot of benefit from it. These are very, very, very fine needles. There's no medicine that's going into these, and it's very safe. Amongst the things we do in medicine, it's probably one of the safer things that are out there. Um, and, you know, because it's, it's really no medicine that's going in. And, you know, I don't try and strain people along. I have people that get some benefit and I have people that don't get as much. And I'm going to give you an upright answer. I'm going to say we give it a try. We usually set up for about four treatments and see what it's going to do. Um, there's been good evidence behind it. There's a lot of evidence that's out there uh, for back pain and for a lot of different pain conditions uh, where it's been uh, well-researched and shown to have good evidence. Um, and so acupuncture, there's a lot of different aspects of that. Uh, there's things that we do for things called trigger points where there's muscles that continue to fire or parts of muscles that continue to fire. I'm sure if you're kind of rubbing on your neck, you can find little spots where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah that's the spot right there. Those are often trigger points, and those are painful areas where the muscle continues to fire, especially if we're sitting in whatever it does on their laptops or on their computers kind of hunched over. We get those little areas. Uh, and so what dry needling is doing is really trying to go towards those specific spots as well with a single acupuncture needle and trying to kind of break up some of that muscle firing as well. So it's working on some of the tenets of acupuncture, a little more localized over different areas and into different muscles to try and help uh, with people who have different conditions and painful areas. Um, acupuncture, I think, is a little more broad in what we can offer as well. Uh, and we do some of the traditional energy movement points in addition to different areas uh, for generally in my practice, I'm doing obviously pain management. So I'm usually treating people with either neck or back pain. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have people that fall asleep during treatments and, and can be pretty relaxing and comfortable during it. So, um, you know, people think needles and they think, oh, this is going to be really terrible. But most of the time, you know, you bring some music, you relax, and, and hopefully you get some good benefit that lasts. I've tried acupuncture before. It does really work. At least it works for me. And it, you're right. It is a very, uh, I think you go into it thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to be sticking needles. And if you can get out of your own head, it, it is a very relaxing experience. Yeah. Yeah. I usually tell the people the first time it's, it's, you know, the unknown is the worst part and you survived and now you can go to the next one with an open mind and actually let it do what it's going to do. Right. So how does someone get started, you know, in pain management? If, if there was a young physician looking looking to specialize, what was the path that you took there? I kind of stumbled upon it. You know, it's not an area of medicine where, you know, going into med school, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a pain management doc. Um, you know, I uh, initially was very interested in orthopedics and in uh, sports medicine with my background and, and really liked that. Uh, when I got it to, you know, residency and to well, actually before residency and training, uh, I really didn't like the surgery as much. So orthopedics wasn't uh, the great choice. Uh, but physical medicine rehabilitation uh, or PM&R was a great field, which offered a lot of musculoskeletal medicine and uh, spinal cord injury and stroke and brain injury and a lot of different things that really appealed to me. And that's how I got into that. Um, and then one of the subspecialties that you do off of that is when you do pain medicine. Um, and so you treat a lot with spine and, and a lot we can do great with PM&R with therapy and different modalities. But then it kind of felt like it stopped. And short of surgery, pain medicine kind of fills that gap. Um, and so it was kind of a nice field when 
you started doing it, it, it kind of gave a mix of some intervention uh, as well as medicine. And so you got the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, when you're a surgeon, you're kind of always in the OR. If you're an anesthesiologist, you know, you're not interacting with patients as much. This, you get to use your hands. You still do some interaction with patients um, and get to kind of learn about them and, and, and form relationships while still doing then also procedures. Uh, so you kind of get the best of both worlds. So, Tony, there's a lot of medium to small orthopedic practices within Southeast Michigan. When you were making your decision of where you wanted to practice, why did you choose Mendelssohn Cornblum Orthopedics? So, yeah, when I was coming out, I mean, it's been almost 10 years, a little over 10 years actually now. So uh, I came right out of fellowship and I had some different offers out of state. I had a couple of offers locally. Um, and, you know, in the end, we want to stay local. Uh, I have a family here and, you know, my wife's here. And, um, you know, Mendelssohn Kornblum, what was really appealing is when I first met him, you know, it was a group of brothers and it reminded me kind of of life around my dinner table at home. You know, they're chatting and talking and getting along. And, and I got in pretty early on in, in the process and we've grown quite a bit since then. Um, but, you know, the nice part was, you know, I had another physician that I already worked with that was here. And it was kind of the camaraderie. It was the people that were already here uh, that, you know, I, I felt like I could work with that were, you know, reasonable people. A lot of people are less than easy to kind of work with sometimes. Uh, and and just the initial impression from the group was, you know, it was a smart group of people. It was a good practice. You know, they worked hard. They had a wide variety of what they were able to see. And it was people that got along and I would want to go in and work with. Um, and when you do that, you find yourself in a, in a nice position where you can be happy. Um, you know, you can provide good care for patients and give them, a, you know, good opportunities to do the best they can. So, Dr. Otto, you, you work with an incredible group of people. Um, that, that practice is really, really thriving. What sets you apart within that practice uh, with respect to who you are as a physician and with your patients? So, yeah, I've been practicing now for, as I said, a little over 10 years. So I've seen a lot of what there is in pain medicine and, and different uh, patient problems. And, uh, and, you know, we offer a wide variety of things. And I think I, I take the time to listen to the patient and try and figure out what's going to be the best option for you uh, and help you have an educated decision about what is the best treatment going forward. Uh, you know, I offer a lot of different interventions and I've been doing it for a long time. And, and I like to think that I'm uh, pretty good and I've, have, you know, gone through a lot of this and, and kind of know how to get through these when they're tricky, um, how to manage these different situations. Um, and, and really, again, listening to the patient to find out and make sure, you know, that you understand exactly what we're doing and give you all the options and the education to make a good decision about what's best for you. You know, one of the things you said that is really important is as a patient, when you go into a position like yourself, someone who listens, right? Because you, you know what happens. We patients, we're terrible. First thing we do is something hurts, we go on Google. And then we run to you guys. And we're like, we, we, this is what's hurt. This is what we're going to do. And, and so the fact that you're listening uh, and then using your experience to make us all better is truly appreciated. Yeah. And I always encourage patients, you know, because you're going to have questions and you're going to forget them. Um, I do when I go to a doctor is to write them down. And, you know, when you have a list of questions, you bring them in and we'll go through them step by step. And I'll make sure you answered all questions and you understand what I'm talking about. Because again, it's, it's your body. It's your decision. My job is to educate you on what the choices are, what I think makes sense from a position of experience and knowledge in this area of pain. And so that's what I take the time in and say, okay, hey, this is what I see going on. 
This is what's an option. This is another option. This is what would happen if we don't do it or if we do do it. And it's your body and it's your choice about what I think you want to do and where you want to go with the treatment going forward. Dr. Otto, so much good stuff that you gave us today. I have so many more questions. Uh, you know, again, in looking at your webpage, I got to tell you, there's a lot of things that I can't even pronounce that I think a lot of people would be interested in. You're just going to have to kind of bring it down on a level for us. Uh, would you be interested in coming back and talking to us again? I would love to. It'd be great. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Uh, Mendelssohn Cornblum Orthopedics, they can come see you. They can get some acupuncture. They could get some good treatment and they can have a good time while doing it. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was great being here.